Let's be honest. How many times have you chalked up a relationship ending to bad timing? For hosts Nancy and PJ Heslin, the answer is a lot. It took living separately in Canada, the U.S., and France, two divorces, and 20 years for timing to work out. And when it finally did in the south of France, the couple discovered they had two different versions of their love story. We all do, right? But what if your side is not the whole story, and you have the journals to prove it? Keep listening to Nancy and PJ Finally Get Together, a podcast on love, relationships, and two lives in between. This episode is brought to you by the Podcast Services Division at Lifestuff Media. Having your own podcast allows you to creatively reach all types of audiences, from clients to prospects, to your most loyal membership base. And by utilizing studio affiliates located around the world, coupled with quality remote recording capabilities, Lifestuff Media makes having a corporate podcast easier than ever before. Contact us for a no-obligation consultation at info at lifestuff.com or visit lifestuff.com to learn more. Welcome to episode 18 of Nancy and PJ Finally Get Together. I'm Nancy Heslin. And I'm PJ Heslin. PJ, before we begin, I just want to make a couple of announcements. Okay. We have, earlier on in the year, done a few guest episodes. We had Ryan and Sophie Sailing and Michael and Matt's from Otillo Swim Run. And we still want to keep sharing some of those um, relationship stories, but we're going to separate it from the Nancy and PJ Finally Get Together platform. So look for that announcement in the next couple of months as to how we will introduce that. And also look for my Bigfoot podcast coming up. Sure, people are just <laughs> sitting by their headphones, PJ, waiting, waiting, waiting. One day, one day, all things Bigfoot. Also, I just want to congratulate PJ because if you were listening to the last episode, he's been dieting and he's now lost 12 pounds or six kilos in six weeks. That's right. I'm a real hero. No, but really, I'm really proud of you. You stayed uh, quite strict with how you ate. And also, a couple of days ago, you ran 20K, and you really haven't been running much in the last couple of years. So I really admire your drive. Oh, like thank that. you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I was uh, hopefully going to do the Nice Can Marathon in about end of November, and I think I might have to skip that. What are you talking about, skip it? Yeah. No. I did the, when I did the 20K, no. I've been having like a kind of little hip tendonitis thing and my left hip was bugging me a little bit and then I was trying to ignore it and hey, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, just bit, 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 keep going. And then I did that 20K on Sunday and the last 5K was very painful. It has to be painful because you're the guy that comes in the, the door with a broken finger and asks for tape, so. It, I think I'm just becoming more reasonable, like instead of just grinning and bearing it and then just gutting it out and then getting really injured. Like now I'm just going, okay, well, that really hurts a lot. And why make it worse? And then be out for six months or whatever, just take it easy. But you've been like running forever. If you look back to like your 20s, would you have ever like been reasonable? No, definitely not. I mean, I if I remember my first Olympic distance triathlon, the night before went out uh, partying with a bunch of friends that were going to do it as well. So we'd rented this, uh, it's kind of a moving truck to throw the bikes in. And then I think maybe we all had like about a two hour nap after the party, threw the bikes in, drove. It was the Gatineau triathlon. <laughs> I distinctly remember just diving into the water at the start of the triathlon thinking, oh, that feels good for the hangover. That just sort of it makes it feel fresh. And then, yeah, did the triathlon. And at the end, uh, there was uh, beers. Good 1970s training program going on there. Beers and 
pack of cigarettes. But wait a second. Let's play a game called, uh, let's call it sore hip PJ versus no training PJ. Let's do a now and then kind All of right. thing. All right. So obviously you had more energy then in your 20s to do sports. How about your personality? Do you think that your personality has changed? Uh, the only thing that hasn't changed about me is my hairline since my 20s. <laughs> Um, yes, everything's changed. Okay. One thing about your personality, the, the loudness. Oh yes. Yeah. The loudness. But do you know why you, that's funny is because here, when you moved to France and when I was introducing you to friends and even people we've met together over the years, you're so quiet and oh, yeah. shy. Like Everybody, people are always alarmed by yeah. the fact that you're just look uncomfortable. Now that I'm a grown up, people, when people get to know me after about six months, they're like, Oh, I thought you were so quiet and so shy. Uh, yeah, I'm just, now I'm just, I don't need to be the constant center of attention. Whereas back then, God, I remember going on the skiing trip, uh, in university with a bunch of us, we just rented a, like a, a little chalet somewhere. And I just was nonstop. Like I just needed all eyes on me all the time. Oh, you time. were always like that. Oh, oh my so God. Like if I went back in time, I would just tell myself, just please just shut up. Everybody's tired of the show. Just- we don't have to go back in time. We can look at <laughs> my journals because I wrote that a lot. Would he just oh, be quiet? Yeah. I Now I'm happy just to listen and enjoy other people. And that's, yeah, that's a big change. Okay. Let's do relationships. Sore hip PJ <laughs> versus the no training PJ. Well, so- we all know. No, both of us have changed in our relationships. Okay. You're right now a very one gal kind of guy, right? Yeah. And on a Monday when you go to work, you write me an email going, I miss you. <laughs> that's not yeah, always I didn't write you a lot of yeah. emails saying, I miss you. It wasn't like that in the 1990s, <laughs> I, right? Yes. So how are you different in relationships? Give me an example. I think it's best summarized by a friend of mine who once said, uh, uh, when I was dating in my 20s, hey, PJ, you kind of remind me of that Cure song, Friday, I'm in love. Because it was kind of like, yeah, there was... It was a rotation of, of Yes. I'd, very I'd nice get girls. a crush on somebody. Oh, wow, they're terrific. And then very quickly be like, oh boy, I've made a horrible mistake. And then I was often told, are you afraid of commitment? I wasn't afraid of commitment. I'd get committed every week. It was just, you know, oh, I just got sick of... Let's move on from that getting one. getting committed with. All right. How about habits? So let's think of... Okay, here's a good one. Uh, 5 a.m., what does 5 a.m. mean to sore hip PJ? And what does 5 a.m. mean to uh, PJ who doesn't do training in his 20s? 5 a.m. 20s meant, uh, hey, I'm just ready to go to bed now after having a fun, fun night. With one uh, of your committed girlfriends, perhaps? No, it'd be going to like the, but do you remember the Maverick in Toronto? Uh, the name sounds familiar. The Maverick, that was a famous after hours club in Toronto. That was one of my favorite little haunts. Oh, I loved going there. That was fun. So yeah, 5 a.m. 5 a.m. back then meant I'm going to bed 5 a.m. now means I'm waking up. <laughs> yeah, but you wake up on your own at 5 a.m. I mean, yeah, you go to work. But you but wake you- up even earlier. You wake up at like 4. You're like on that, uh, one of those uh, training schedules that like famous rich people have. Except, <laughs> There's uh, so much wrong with us. We're not rich. <laughs> we're famous. I keep seeing these things where like these, what's it, Mark Wahlberg, like he wakes up at 3 and he exercises and he's a millionaire and he says, that's why I'm a millionaire. And I'm like, how come Nancy does the same thing? How come there's no millions? Oh, are you now like doubting what I'm, my potential is? Okay, fine. Let's... I never doubt your potential. <laughs> okay, I let's... just wonder where the millions are because we get up so early. Yeah, I try, I try. All right, let, let's look at one last thing. How would you say that you're different now, uh, sore hip PJ versus 
no training PJ in his 20s when it comes to friendships and people you would choose to spend time with? All right. So friendships, I think this is probably uh, common to a lot of people, especially you. Friendships, 20s, meet somebody very quickly. Hi, how are you? Hey, you like food? Hey, let's be roommates. And then you'd have this friendship for quite a few months and then realize, oh, Jesus, why, why, are we, why did we decide to be a roommate with them? But it's so true. Like even going through this story, as we read through the journals and stuff, if you think about how much time we spend investing, trying to find like a partner, like a love partner, falling in love, being with the right one. But in our twenties, when it comes to friendship, you know, it was like anybody that was around that had time to be with you because you're also needy. Yeah. And that brings us to the theme of this uh, episode, which is, do you remember that one friend in your twenties? We friend. all had, the, I, there's a bunch of them, but there's a, all of us have that one person where you thought you'd be to, friends forever. Yes. You started talking about that uh, because you watched this show oh, called yeah, Girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You was, were like really <laughs> focused on the twenties again. Once again, being uh, in my the late fifties, so up on my cultural references, I started watching Girls now. 10 years after it but finished airing. Briefly, PJ, briefly, briefly if, you, if that's possible for you, okay. explain what the show is. Okay, so briefly, without you giving me the run-on signal that you often do. Often do, uh, always yes. do. Uh, so uh, four girls living in New York, just graduated from college. It's about their friendships. Uh, it was, I think it was a pretty big deal at the time uh, as far as a cultural type of phenomena thing on TV. But I loved it. Like it was, I think they nailed all that stuff about your friendships in your 20s, whether you're a girl or a guy. It just happens to be about girls. But yeah, the, that intensity of those friendships and how important they seem to you. Uh, and also just that seriousness of them. And, but you're also so self involved in your 20s so that you can't help but being selfish. And then you get these big conflicts and it seems like it's the end of the world. And ah, how come this person did, 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 did. Yeah, I, I just thought it, I thought they nailed it. It was perfect. But what do you think friendships are in your 20s? Like, first of all, in your 20s, you have so much energy, right? And everything, as you said, is about you. Yeah, and also it's it becomes your family. You go from living with your biological family that you sort of came into the world with, and then you leave that, and you're still looking for that. So those friends become your new family. And that's why, I th that's why I think they're so intense. It's because they you latch onto them the way you did with your brothers or sisters and you can fight with them the way you would with your brothers or sisters. Mm, I don't know about that, but I do think that, that in the twenties, those friendships are sort of a transitional love between family and until you kind yeah. of settle down with somebody like they give you the confidence. They make you feel complete in a weird <laughs> way because you're, you know, you just want people around you to do things with all the yes. time. Yeah. That's the criteria. Yeah. You are, you're incredibly social back then. You're always going out. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. It's a transitional sort of relationship. What, was it? what did you say? I'm what? <laughs> you're always right. I, I didn't know. I just love Once again, you you're always right. I didn't say always right, but you said absolutely right. Who for you, if you look at that one, that one relationship in your twenties, what, what comes to your mind? Oh, because everybody would know me, my, and not her real name, but my friend Pam, who was a uh, first year university was on the same floor as me. And Pam and I lived together, God, almost 10 years, a little bit, you know, there were some breaks uh, in between that 10 year period, but basically we were roommates for 10 years and we were really like, I mean, it was, we friends used to joke with us, like we were this married couple that wasn't actually married. And we had a very, very uh, intense friendship 
Uh, you were not a couple. No, that was not on the table for, um, you know, there was no feelings in but that But you guys way. lived together. Yeah. She was literally like the fourth sister. I was like the third brother that she never had. Um, Why do you think that the friendship worked so well? Because <laughs> we had a really good dynamic, whereas like Pam was the organizer and the driver in the relationship and the decider of things. And I was the guy who was always like, okay. So Pam would decide, hey, we're moving. I found an apartment and this is the, that's your room. This is my room. And I'd be like, okay, where do I sign the release? So and she'd organize the married? bills. <laughs> it was very much, very much like our relationship. Yeah. She just sort of made all these decisions and it was great. We had a, an amazing time, a uh, really good friendship, lots of laughs. Until? Uh, it, yeah, it, until that dynamic changed. Uh, and that's the thing about in your 20s, those friendships are going to change, those dynamic changes, because your life changes. You go from, you know, so many things can happen from the age of 21 to 25. You, you might have your first serious relationship or get married. You're definitely probably going to have your first serious job career, moving, all that sort of stuff. But if you were saying that and you guys were just good friends and that close, like what happened if you brought someone home or she brought someone home? Like did, did the opinion of each other oh, matter? absolutely, absolutely. But were your um, potential dates like threatened by your roommate? Uh, I would say some of the people that I went out with, Pam didn't like them. It was clear. Pam did like them. It was also clear. And in fact, Pam ended up having a lot of friendships because of my ex-girlfriend. I must say, Pam had excellent taste in guys, though, because I can't remember one guy that she dated that I was like, oh, my God, this loser. Like All, all the guys she dated were, were wonderful, great guys. Wow. So and in fact, the guy she ended up with, an amazing guy. So then what happened? What was the, was there a pivotal point for yeah, you? Yeah. What changed in our relationship was I bought a house in Toronto. And then I converted the uh, upstairs into a separate apartment, a two bedroom apartment. And I lived down on the main floor. And so I rented it out, of course, to Pam and another friend. And then because I was the landlord and I was now the boss or the driver in our relationship, that dynamic completely changed. And I noticed, you know, Pam started to pull back. There was a, there was a coldness and I just don't think she liked the fact that I was the person that was like, hey, rent's due. Hey, this bill is... Da, da, da. And it definitely changed. And then she moved out for a while, didn't talk at all for a couple months, then slowly sort of got back into a friendship. But buying that house and her moving in, that was kind of the decisive blow. And it took years, but it eventually unraveled. Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, we're talking about times where we weren't like staying in touch by text all the time yes. and, yeah. you know, constantly. Yeah, in that there's so no Facebook social, that you yeah, could social media be, circle. Yeah, Instagram. Yeah, it's yeah. If you stop talking to somebody after a while, you'd be like, I don't know where they are. So you're not friends with her anymore? I, I just I think the world of her. But no, it just. Yeah, things change. I have a story that but it's uh, I didn't live with the person, but I became really close with this um, girlfriend who. We both loved music. How'd you meet her? I met her when I went to university in France. Okay. Yeah. And um, I realized how, just really how needy you are in your 20s. And even for myself, as I've grown older, and if you look at how much I write and how much I talked about my own life, like I never had kids and I'm very self-centered, even though I don't realize it. That's always been a part of it. I think, I think I'm way more self-centered I agree. than you are. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to finish the sentence. But In I, fact, it surprises me that you would even say that because I don't. I don't consider you remotely self-centered. You are. You're always 
at least in our relationship, you're always thinking about me and my feelings to the extent of I'm always trying to be so supportive of you. What? Because you feel obligated? <laughs> yes, because I've got a ring on my finger. I can't move out because I don't know where my passport yeah. is. No, I gotta make her happy. No, I, I didn't mean it that way. Out. I mean, I, I'm a thoughtful person. You're but very when thoughtful. I when I look back, she was dating a guy in a very popular uh, Canadian band, very well known. And I was there at the beginning of it. I, I, you know, I coached her through it. I was there when things they broke up, and I was a huge part of that. But when I started dating that guy Ben. I made a bad judgment call. I was supposed to go to a concert with her one night. And again, there's no mobile phones. I just didn't call. And she flipped out. And she said that, you know, I had made this commitment to go to a concert. It was one show, live show downtown Toronto that I missed. But then she said, oh, it doesn't matter. But then she would be passive aggressive about it. This is just my own personal feeling. But I think that women live in the past and the future. And I think that we have a problem sometimes communicating what's really bothering us right now, especially when it comes to friendships. And so there were things that were driving me crazy, but I would just kind of pretend it didn't bother me. And then it all comes together. Neither of us bought a house and we were renting to the other person, but there was that for me, as I said, I didn't go to one concert and that sort of was like a fireworks of all the things in the past that bothered us. That's so. that's a lot more tense, intense than Pam and I. I mean, Pam and I just, it was a good friendship, but there was no past, present uh, involvements. Uh, we were just okay, but let me ask you happy this. to eat pizza together. Yeah, on a but Friday if you night. guys had an argument, like you told me once that uh, you guys would argue because sh- you were messy, which oh, yeah. I can't imagine you being messy, but you said, no, it wasn't messy. You said neither of you like to do the dishes. No, I was messy. But I was you messy also and said the dishes neither, was right? a big sticking point. Yeah. Okay. So she used to get very annoyed with that. Okay. So let's take that. Did she actually tell you she was annoyed or was oh, she yeah. like, oh, oh, she would, just she would tell. tell you? Oh. In fact, one time she put, all of the dirty dishes in my bed as a point to say, hey, don't leave these in the sink for a week. And That's another way I've changed. I used to be such a pig. Uh, and now, look, at I mean, you know, with the floors, I go crazy. If there's like a little bit of dust in the floor, I'm like, oh, i got to clean the floors. PJ can't start the work week unless the floors are clean, where I'm like, I'm there's in, nothing on the floor. I'm in love with our steamer. Nothing's better than a good floor steamer. I know he's a one gal kind of guy, but sometimes I'm afraid when I open the, the cupboard and see all these steamers. Anyway, anyway, let's move on to our story, PJ. 1995, we're end of summer. You, last episode, were talking about being a stand-up on the road or you were yes. going to colleges and stuff. So what, at what this was that? point, uh, that, that uh, Mighty Jungle show that I was on is over. So most of the way I'm making my living is, is by stand-up comedy at this point. So... Uh, and I was, uh, when I started doing stand up, I thought, oh my God, being a road comic would be so glamorous. And road comic is a term that you give to somebody who that's how they make their living. That, you know, they do small clubs, they do one nighters, they go out, they're always on the road. Uh, and that's how they make their living. And I used to think, oh, wow, that'd be so amazing and glamorous and exciting. You just go to a different town. And you get to stay in motels, and you get to tell jokes, and then you go out, and they have you fun. You think a motel is glamorous? Is oh, that what I thought saying? it was just, to me, that was the height of glamour, was like a hotel and doing oh, stand-up PJ. at night. And then, I mean, after maybe six months of doing it, I was like, this is not glamorous at all. The hotels you are in are the seediest, you know, almost dangerous types of places, or it's a crappy condo that the the comedy club owns that all the other degenerate comics sleep in. do you know what's <laughs> weird it's, though is uh, that you're describing this like we're going to be shocked that a, uh, a comic on the road is staying that's what i that's what everybody would imagine the but kind then of the other the other thing as well is i thought oh you know you, you're just doing stand-up at night so you 
tops, you got an hour of work to do. The rest of the day, you know, I'd be writing or doing something creative. No, the rest of the day, I'm stressed out. I'm anxious. How do I get to the gig? What jokes am I going to tell? What's the audience going to be like? I mean, I did nothing. I would maybe I'd go for a run, something like that. But the rest of the day, just be like an anxiety filled day of waiting to bomb or not bomb for one hour. Yeah, and it was, and I have a distinct memory when I when I was like, this life is really not for me, and I got to find a ticket out. It was when I was on the road with this other guy. He was the the main act, and I was kind of his uh, supporting act. Uh, great guy, really good comic, uh, but he had been doing it for a while, and he was like a seasoned road comic, so he's older than me, and I could see, okay, if I pursue this path, this is the future. And I distinctly remember one night after the gig, it's like one o'clock in the morning, we're watching some crappy TV and we have to share a room in this seedy motel. And he's, he's got this 10 year old suit jacket and how is he cleaning it? He's dry cleaning it by hanging it up in the bathroom with the hot water turned on full. And I just thought, nope, this is not glamorous and this is not the life I want dry cleaning my 10-year-old clothes with, with hot water in a bathroom. No, now you have steamers you can dry clean. Exactly, my steamers. But you and I, I think, have definitely different opinions of what glamorous is, but that's a whole <laughs> other episode, I think. So did you just, like, when you said that was a moment, did you decide to stop stand-up then no, for a while? No, I just love doing stand-up, but under my conditions. And under those conditions, you really couldn't make that much money. You, I think you could nowadays because it's so much different. But back then, it was like, okay, well, you make a couple of bucks here and there. So yeah, you had to do something else. And luckily, I was still getting commercial work, but I wanted to make a half-decent living and have a future. So I started working with my friend Dave, who owned that film company that I talked about last the, uh, Black uh, Videos. You were doing videos, yeah, music so Dave, videos. Yeah, his film company that he co-founded made music videos. So Dave and I started writing. We were always writing together, so we made a short little film. You, Sorry to interrupt you. You met him through Pam, right? Yep. Yeah, and you uh, and you and Dave are still friends. Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you. We don't talk as much as you would with uh, it's, uh, some of your friends, but yeah, just I still think the world of him. Great guy. Wonderful. Wonderful human being. So yeah. Anyway, Dave and I uh, put together a short film, and that was sort of going to be our calling card in order to try to make full feature films. Sorry, when you say calling card, like is that what you would call um, now? What's that video thing? YouTube, like you mean, like a, a way to showcase? Yeah, you know, but it, before social exactly, media, exactly. Because right, okay. yeah, back then there's no social media, there's no YouTube, there's no platform to just sort of upload something. So you would, uh, if you made your own film or short film or full length film, you'd take into festivals, and that's what we did. Well, actually, Dave did it. Dave took them to all these little short festivals, and you try to sell it and sort of make money, and then that's okay. That's the next step. How can we make a full feature film? Uh, yeah, and so that was the plan. That was the plan to sort of get onto some sort of career path with uh, writing and acting, all that sort of stuff. So you actually made a film, a short yep. film. What's yeah, it called? It was called The Jenkins Affair. And so Dave and I produced it. We put our money into it. We both split it 50-50 the cost. We both wrote it together. Uh, both are in it, both starred in it. Uh, and it was awesome. It was great. We sold it to the comedy channel. So they would air it uh, from time to time. Yeah. Oh. That must have been a pretty big deal then to be on the comedy channel, like because yeah. your name was on the comedy yep. channel. I was very, very proud of it. Uh, yeah. Amazingly, we have uncovered, yes. unearthed, unearthed the Jenkins it. affair. So we'll put that in the episode description, a link you can watch it. Is there any um, rating PJ on this? Like, can anybody watch it? I think it's PG. It's, yeah, I can't think of it. It's, I mean, it's, it's PJ in P French, you mean? No, sorry. I haven't watched it myself. So I'm just going to 
make sure that we can put it up. As I recall correctly, there's nothing, yeah. There's, I don't think it'll be to everybody's taste. <laughs> well, at this point in the story, yeah, the, the fall is coming. I'm about to start a full-time job. PJ is continuing this creative path, and he gets into some quite uh, big shenanigans in the next episode. But we're going to take a look at the journal entry, and this one is really talking about I'm sort of reflecting on having moved away and what friendships mean and what my relationship with PJ means. You all reach that moment where you kind of think, you know, where is this relationship going? So this is August 25th, 1995, and Nancy writes, people whom I thought would always play a part in my life are non-existent. I'm only what, like 25, 26 at this time? Uh, Not because I don't think of them, but because until recently, my life has been up in the air. Experiences happen and you develop friendships, but it's intimate at that time, uh, and then life moves on. It seems I've never focused on any personal goals because my life was always following some predetermined route. I just went with the flow, somewhat believing that this relationship was it. Like with PJ and I, no holds barred. (laughs) This isn't an MA match, PJ. Two people enter, one person leaves. Uh, no holds part. It was incredible over the years, but there were intense emotions involved. That's for sure. To this day, I cannot imagine how he felt that day on the phone, confessing his feelings and talking of marriage or even worse, his feelings after his grandparents' anniversary party. That, the grandparents' party was where I was kind of broke up and yeah. 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 Uh, but it was more than evident at the time. Unfortunately, or fortunately at that time, PJ Uh, and I were not ready to deal with the situation after returning from France, nor was I mature enough to confront things clearly. That's for sure. (laughs) The poor guy then spent two years with me in and out of his life to my liking, although I never understood why he didn't support me when I was having troubles, adjusting to being home so soon after my trip. Now I see it like this. (laughs) You poor thing. Coming home after France. Oh, you need some support. You've been in France. Where is the sore hip PJ? He's much nicer to me. <laughs> We're fighting in Vietnam. Uh, okay. Now I, see, now I see it like this. Uh, his seeing someone since February, uh, I no longer have that impact. And that's all it is. I don't want him back because the person he pretends to be is so strange. I don't enjoy the egotistical. Yes, that was my That's made not up even th- a word. Well, it was a very cool Come word on. I made up. Okay, the egotistical PJ, the guy he's become. Although I'd like to call him and see if I have to f- take the role of the pursuer. Is it hard to read my writing? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, PJ. So let me ask you this. Everybody talks about wanting to be back in their 20s, and the 20s was the best years of their life. Would you want to go back to being 20? Uh, I would like my body back from my 20s. That'd be nice. Like the woman that said, put your shirt back on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You only worked out a little bit more. You'd have a nice body. Nice. No, maybe not the whole body then, but definitely the ligaments and the tendons. That'd be nice. I don't think I could relive my 20s. I mean, our our relationship just drained me emotionally. And if we had to have social media while we went through all that together, there is no way Nancy and PJ would have finally got together. That is a fact. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe to Nancy and PJ Finally Get Together and share the link with friends. This podcast is a spinoff of our manuscript. Check out nancyandpj.com for more on that. A big thanks to Isaac, Alyssa, and Dustin at Life's Tough Media. In our next episode, Nancy moves to Toronto's young and eligible neighborhood while stand-up PJ rarely sees the light of day.